personal circumstance sometimes dictates that students take courses closer to home. And to hold them to the same expectations is not about making excuses for them, but it's about being realistic about the challenge that we and they together face. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. Today we have Margaret McMenamin, President of Union County College in New Jersey and Vice Chair of the Middle States Commission on Higher Education, and Richard Wynn, President of the Accrediting Commission for Community and Junior Colleges, Western Association of, College, of Schools and Colleges. Uh, we're just going to talk briefly about why accreditation is important and uh, the role of community college trustees in why they should find that important. So every self-study begins with the institution's mission and, it, and the peer review team that comes there asks that very central question. How does each part of the organization come together in showing that it both understands and can implement its own dimension of the, of the college mission? Accreditors often say that a core purpose of accreditation self-study is to prompt continuing and productive conversations. And for the college to come together and talk among themselves about what is our mission and how well we are achieving it is the beginning point for most self-study activities. And really, the mission is the foundation of everything that we do in higher ed. We take our mission seriously at our college, and I know my, my sister colleges as well. All community college missions founded around the, the triad of access, affordability, and excellence. And what's great about accreditation is it, it gives us all an opportunity at the college to stop, to pause, to reflect on our mission, and to determine are we fulfilling that mission and how are we doing it? Given the huge diversity of uh, institutions of higher learning in, in America, mission becomes the way by which the institution carves out its unique and distinctive place in the geography of higher education institutions. And to the degree that the school understands that, it's able to rally its resources and its energies toward fulfilling that very distinctive place. And the self-study process, the, the, the review cycle, forces every institution to stop and many times they undergo mission review around the self-study and the site visit to say, okay, uh, is this truly reflective of what our mission is today as an institution? And as you know, you know, every mission review involves everyone at the college from the staff and the faculty to the administrators and the board of trustees. Let's uh, review that mission, let's rally around that mission, and let's determine how we're doing to fulfill that mission. And many institutions are now accepting what is becoming a standard practice that you don't just start with a mission, you flow from mission to vision to values. And as those are expressed down through the institution, they can have an absolutely transforming impact. I would think a, a discussion around mission, though, could probably get somewhat contentious in the boardroom or on campus. I, I don't or think so, because in, at least in community colleges, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps in some of the other college sectors, mm -hmm. but in community colleges, most of us were drawn to this work, to these wonderful institutions, to democracies colleges, because of the mission. And we do make some changes here and there, but uh, I think it's more uh, dressing changes. The core mission of the community college, it's, 
it hasn't changed that much over the years, and most of us are drawn to it because of that commitment to access, to affordability, and to excellence. Because of, you mentioned, because you're open access, then there are different challenges that the students that come to community colleges have in terms of getting over what you said was the finish line. And you had also mentioned that that was, you know, obviously uh, the foc focus on quality and outcomes. So for trustees and board members, how do they, how do you get that mindset about the outcomes um, being an important part? And is that an important part of the accrediting process at this point, or is it is it not built in yet? <laughs> well, it, right now we're buffering a lot of pressure from, from external and mostly national sources that are wanting us to use the same performance metrics that are used for selective institutions, the same narrow scope of time to completion, uh, the same expectations about graduation rates indexed to the national norms. And so both accreditors and I believe increasingly the trustees are weighing in and saying, we're, we're, you can't do that, it's not fair, it doesn't tell an accurate picture of who these institutions are and the very distinctive student populations that they serve. So it's largely a matter of, of recalibrating the conversation about what is effective performance. And we're, the creditors are, I think, really aligned with the institutions and in saying, let us find multiple ways to show that this college really is effective. Part of it is statistics, part of it's telling the stories, the heroic achievements of its faculty as they find these students who they didn't even know they could learn and, and help them learn. When we talk about the access mission, we're really saying we are inclusive. We are inclusive institutions. Some people brag about my son goes to an exclusive college. We brag about we let everybody in. And the challenge with having an access mission like that, an inclusive mission, is that not everybody is starting at the same place. At most of the four-year institutions, and certainly at the Ivies and, and schools of that caliber, students walk in college ready. They walk in with uh, uh, well-prepared for a college education and also financially reasonably stable. Our students in a community college, they're not quite like that. They're not always first-time, full-time students entering right from high school. In community colleges across America, we have part-time students. We have returning adult students. We have students who have stopped out for a couple years to work and now are returning to school. None of those student types fit into that national metric that is sometimes uh, erroneously applied to our, our entire student body. And that's what our trustees need to understand. While it may be appropriate for first-time, full-time full students who are right out of high school and are college ready, it's not always applicable to the rest of the student body. To use a baseball analogy, a, some, a student from a selective school could think, I was born on third base, I must have just hit a triple. Whereas at a community college, we're dealing with students who are barely learning to bunt. Mm -hmm. And to hold them to the same expectations is not about making excuses for them, but it's about being realistic about the challenge that we and they together face as they pursue their educational goals. But that's not to say that we don't expect outcomes. For too long, we've rested on that 
uh, access mission to excuse inadequate outcomes. What we're doing now in community colleges through the support of AACC, ACCT, Achieving the Dream, and other national organizations, including the private groups like Lumina, mm -hmm. is we are tackling these outcomes and accountabilities issues. We're tackling them through a lot of uh, very uh, intrusive interventions with at-risk students. And one of the national uh, initiatives is uh, called GPS, or Guided Pathways to Success. It's one of the initiatives out of Complete College America. And what we're saying with these initiatives is, if we provide additional assistance to our students, if we do a better job of intervening early with our students, if we, frankly, if colleges evolve as our students have evolved, we believe we can get better outcomes in spite of that access mission. In, in my region, the number of initiatives that are being sponsored by the California Community College Chancellor's Office, the University of Hawaii system, et cetera, they are f passionate about moving the needle on student achievement. Hundreds of millions of dollars are being devoted to some very smart initiatives that are becoming very effective. And our teams go out and they find out how passionate and insightful the faculty really are as they're working with these students to help them achieve success. You mentioned telling the story, not having the excuse for, you know, because our students aren't, you know, like the kids that go to Princeton and, and the places like that. But um, kind of tying it to our National Legislative Summit, you know, it seems as though the trustees that are advocating, even at the state level, not using it as an excuse, but also as a, um, uh, trying to, to help the um, legislative folks understand, you know, why this sector, who it's serving and how it's serving. And also kind of building on, you know, the, the different kinds of credentials. Maybe there needs to be a mind shift in terms of, you know, you, you've gone to this accredited school, and even if you don't complete the degree, if you've gone, like you, you were talking earlier about, you know, the woman that goes and wants to learn how to do accounting so that she can help her husband's business, you know, sort of basic stuff like that. I mean, that to me is a success. It is a success, and the, the message there is we serve different populations. There are times we'll have students come in wanting to take one or two courses part-time. Their goal is to learn accounting, to be a bookkeeper in, in the family business. If that student achieves that goal of learning that accounting skill, isn't that a success? That was their educational goal to begin with. For that part-time student, that represents a success, but it's not reflected in the federal metrics. So we're trying to expand the meaning of, of a positive outcome mm. and not to diminish the importance of coming away with an associate degree credential mm. or some other sub-degree credential, but not everybody is striving for that. If uh, a student transfers to a baccalaureate program without picking up a degree on the way, our current data system doesn't capture that as a success, and yet it's a wonderful success. So our goal includes trying to broaden the conversation to include multiple indicators of positive outcomes at our community colleges so that we can see the multiple ways by which we're contributing to the economy, to the, the, the workforce in the local area, and to an appreciation for the community college serving a broader spectrum of outcomes.
I don't want anybody to leave this conversation thinking that community college students aren't scholars. Many of them have the caliber that would match a student in any of the Ivies or the elite institutions. But personal circumstance sometimes dictates that students take courses closer to home, or that students don't enroll full-time, or even if they were able to start full-time, family circumstances may dictate that they have to go to part-time or even drop out for a year or two. So that these students are, are, are as varied as the rainbow is, but they, the, using a single metric to measure their success and the value of the community college education is, is not what our federal legislators should do. You're a college president. I, mean, I know you wear a dual hat. You're also in the, um, as the vice chair, and, and you're the head of an accrediting association or agency. You said earlier that you love accreditation, and um, I think that that's an incredible statement coming out of the president's. Because it's, I do, because it's, it's peer review. You're not, it's not the federal police coming in with a checklist who know nothing about our business. Accreditation, at its best, is quality assurance through peer review. And who knows it better than other educators, other professors, other presidents and chief financial officers from peer institutions. I believe each institution wants to do the best job they can in fulfilling their mission and having an opportunity to get frank, candid, you know, honest feedback from your peers as a means to self-improvement, I, I don't think it gets any better than that. So at our last open session meeting, we had a college president travel many thousand miles to sit with our commission and said, I am the poster child. My college is the poster child for how the accreditation process absolutely transformed who we are. And having worked in accreditation, we could tell more stories than we're probably allowed to put on the public record <laughs> of what we might call rescue stories, of institutions that were sometimes clear down to the death rattle. Mm -hmm. And the accreditor could move in at the right time and apply the right kind of wisdom and pressure and gain everybody's attention and move them in a new direction and an institution would come out profoundly appreciative. And the students better served and the public better served as a result of the process. That's why accreditation is a wonderful system and it's an American system. Thank you and I appreciate you taking the time to sit with us. I know everybody's had a long day, but uh, very much appreciate your input. As you can tell us, we're passionate about this topic. Yes. <laughs> and we want the trustees to know about it and to share that passion. Yeah. Indeed. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our second podcast about the board's role in accreditation. For additional information and resources, please visit the ACCT website at acct.org where you can download our publication, Accreditation and Community College Trustees.